Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today are two, I think they're former Gleeks. I don't know if they still are to some degree, but they were Gleeks. Alana Bettini and Carrie Ann, everyone. Woo! Yes. Applause, oh, applause. Applause, applause. So Ooh. we're here. We're starting a saga, if you will, into the Glee universe? Is that is that what I want to call it? The Glee seasons, how's that? <laughs> I think saga is the, is the most correct part of this. It is a saga, definitely. The roller coaster that was Glee. Oh my. Oh my. But we're, we have to start somewhere, right? And mm-hmm. what, what a way to start with season one. Uh, it was created by, as we all know ryan murphy brad falchuk ian brennan uh the music supervisor because you know it's a jukebox so i I, usually in my episodes i give credit to like who wrote the music and lyrics but because it's a jukebox i'd be here for days uh (laughs) but the music supervisor was pj bloom the first episode aired may 19th 2009 memory lane everyone let's stroll back to that day oh how i remember it well and then the last episode aired of season one aired uh june 8th 2010 so i remember i remember watching it uh like because they they did like the that one in may the first step the pilot Mm -hmm. episode and then they aired it again in september i believe or something like that. They absolutely did that. I remember it a hundred percent that way. I remember it was the one episode release that was at the end of I want to say either my like sophomore or junior year of high school, and I watched it live on television on Fox on the channel Fox. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, oh, they're gonna hear a lot of stuff from this and, in the next <laughs> few episodes. And then I cease and desist from Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like, it was a matter of waiting a couple of months until the season actually started and they got the like green light to go ahead and release the next round of uh episodes it wasn't a full season that they had ordered i remember it was only like half of a season right so if you go back and watch there's like a weird storyline well, pause yeah so you've got the pilot and then episodes two through 13 um, feel like one show and then 14 through what is it 22 or something it's like 20, that 22 20 22 mm-hmm. um yeah. feel like another show <laughs> entirely <laughs> well that's because you know i guess after the success of the first few episodes they're like let's go there mm-hmm. and so all these other artists gave them the rights to their songs madonna gave them this i think her their full songbook and lady gaga lady gaga miss gaga yes so for the first time ever on this podcast i'm doing all of these without rewatching them so this is all from memory everyone yep. 
<laughs> so we're good for a wild ride because I was just like, I could start rewatching them, but I don't really hate my life that much right now. So And they just got taken off Netflix. Now they're gone unless you have your DVD box set. Right, because they were also on Prime and... Okay, so full disclosure, we are recording this way in advance. And Prime, like, not that long ago, just pulled all of them. And it's not on Hulu, which is usually, which is usually all where the Fox shows go. So it's mm-hmm. very odd. Like, what happened? What's going on, Glee? Are we... What's the... Co- Any, did, did anyone hear about the... Co- is there a controversy over the Glee shows? Maybe they just finally realized it was better left in the vault as a memory yeah. instead of going back and rewatching to really pick it apart fully. Um, so it's in the Disney vault with all this other stuff that Disney likes to hide? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, it'll come back eventually. Worse uh, and more great and powerful. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not going to lie though. Okay. I, I know I said this to recap, but I want to just say that first episode and the first 13 episodes were great television for what this was. Yes, there were some like, ooh, clunker moments, but it wasn't as bad as it would spoiler get. <laughs> it, was a, it was a different show. It very much, it, I, I don't throw the term around loosely, but it was very camp. It was very, we lost our jobs in the factory and can't get a good night's sleep. Like it is such a funny show. And right. so well done that first season. And like I, like Alana said, we have different opinions. Season three is my favorite season. And I liked later on Glee. But season one is something completely different and written and performed so differently and such a great piece of art. <laughs> but the, I, I'm saying like even within season one, like the first half and the second second like half i'm using that term loosely because it's not really half but like that first part and the second part it's just so like like there's one side of camp and then there's like the bonkers side of camp that what what glee became which is like the cartoon and everything i think those first 13 episodes what stood out to me then and I guess even now upon my memory of them is that it really did feel like a tv show that was being built and made by underdogs to represent a very niche community of people and there were a lot of inside jokes there was a a self-awareness a like inner circle comedy or whatever you want to call it that really uh was highlighted in those first 13 episodes but then as it became more popular, as more people started watching it, as they got a bigger budget, it just didn't quite have the same uh, nuance, maybe is the word I'm looking for, or effect as what those, that original idea of what the show, especially in the pilot, the pilot, I feel like stands on its own as a completely different entity. Even those first 13 episodes, like have a similar vibe to that pilot, but the pilot itself, I feel like really speaks to what the initial core message of the show was meant to be and was always meant to be. And like, sometimes they stuck with that. And then other times they like did the opposite of sticking with that. So. Okay. So let's get into this recap. I quickly wrote this. Um, let's see how you all can like grade me if you want to see how I did. Um, Spanish teacher Will Schuster wants to revive the Glee Club in McKinley High School after the old Glee teacher was fired for pedophilia. Uh, right, right, right off the bat, we're like, ooh, really, guys? We're going mm-hmm. there. 
Will's creativity gets a second chance while his alpha wife, Terry, takes a backseat in his life. Uh... <laughs> There's more that I there's more that I wrote down. Hold on, the new directions is the Island of Misfit Toys, uh, which I don't know if you guys know that reference, but it's it's from the Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, which I know in later seasons they end up singing that song, so like a little too on the nose for them. Uh, so we we meet Rachel Berry, who wants to be a Broadway star and is a raging. I I said a word that I really shouldn't say, but I'm gonna just say bitch. How's that? Um, <laughs> uh, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Great. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. I wanted to use another word, but I'm trying to censor myself because I don't want to get in trouble by people. Uh, Finn is a football star who is blackmailed by Will to join the Glee Club. Mercedes is a diva. In, of the club yet she doesn't get her rightfully deserved spotlight uh and then kurt art tina and artie are our other characters uh they're there <laughs> they're, they're there they're there to do things and have one-liners sort of <sighs> we'll get to them uh <laughs> cheerleading oh, coach we, oh we uh, definitely will get to them yeah and then there's the cheerleading coach sue sylvester uh who, uh, who is Will's nemesis and is hellbent on destroying the Glee Club so her budget can be restored? Am I right in that? Like, that was most of the reasoning why she wants to destroy the Glee Club? The original idea, or the original reason that Sue hated Will so much, yes, was because she wanted her budget back because some of the budget had to go towards uh, the Glee Club. And then as they became more successful, more of their budget went to the Glee Club, but also there was a vendetta that Sue had against Will because Will kept stealing all the cheerleaders and football players to join the Glee Club. So I, it built upon itself of, of reasons, I suppose. And then lastly that I wrote down, Will and guidance counselor Emma Pillsbury flirt the whole season, yet she gets engaged to football coach Ken Tanaka. That was this season. I forgot about that. Wow. You forgot about Ken Tanaka? Oh no. my goodness. Oh, my brain was just like mm, John Stamos. That's a whole other season from now. That's, that's next. That's the next season. Well, spoilers. Spoilers. In episode eight, it's the mashup episode where he sings the thong song and wants to put it together with "I could have danced all night." Oh, yes, that was since, real. <laughs> since you brought it up, I do have to maybe give a quick suggestion since we're starting with season one. I would like someone out there it doesn't have to be you john but i would like someone to take a tally on how many wedding dresses emma pillsbury wears in the entire six (laughs) seasons of glee because in that one episode i believe she wore at least two wedding dresses one which was this big poofy nonsense number that she was supposed to wear while uh getting married to what was his name ken Ken Tanaka? tanaka yeah And uh, that was the dress she wore while Will was performing the thong song. And then later in that episode, when they sing and dance to I Could Have Danced All Night, she's wearing this very A-line, streamlined, whatever type dress. And it made me curious because I remember what the later seasons held and did. I would like to know. I would like someone out there to count how many wedding dresses this one character wears. This show is... Okay. Yep. 
right after I mean we know this show is wild and crazy um but which was partially why it was so adored I feel like that needs to be celebrated to a certain extent like there was a reason it was supposed to be ridiculous yeah and we got the fan we got I've talked about this in past episodes there's the fantasy of like the musical where they're handed sheet music and they immediately can sing it pitch perfect um but like (laughs) sometimes it's a little ridiculous where you know it, it they, all of a sudden they just say hit it and the band that's there is like we got brad this. his name is brad thank brad you the pianist. thank you brad the pianist uh, a person and, who has been there since the very beginning and then the unnamed jazz band musicians yep. i believe who that's are there for longer than the extent of high school also would like to point that out they are <laughs> six they are two year seniors or three year seniors well, they maybe- kept the same band well, maybe it's a uh, six through twelve school or something. Who knows? It's Ohio. Who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So first and foremost, this is a great question for the beginning. How did you guys get into Glee? Who wants like, to take it away? I'll go first. Um, so what you were saying about that first episode, I didn't watch it, and I remember vividly. I lived in the suburbs of New York and I drove into the city with my parents and there was the big Leah Michelle with the L on her forehead billboard. And my thought was, I kid you not, that looks so stupid. I'm not watching this TV show. Isn't that funny? And went on my little way. And then I think it was, it was Pregger. So it was like the third or fourth episode of that first season. It was on Fox when it was airing. And I was like, you know what? I like uh, all right. I like that song. It was like whenever they did sync, it was something where I was like, "This, I'll keep it on for the rest of the episode." And then Glee became my high school personality trait, in which the day after episodes came out, people would be like, "Let's let's chat. Let's chat about this great TV show we are all watching, and is a big part of the zeitgeist." Oh my god! All right, Alana, what's your story? All right, my story. So I. A little bit of background. I used to, uh, as a way to spend my time, watch a ton of movie trailers and all that sort of stuff. And instead of watching movie trailers on YouTube, like you do now, because the buffering was insane, I would go on iTunes and watch all of the movie trailers on iTunes. And because of that, I would spend all of my time trolling the iTunes store I would basically download any free episode or free preview of a TV show and or movie that I could get my hands on because it was just a way to watch stuff without having to pay all this extra money to watch all this other stuff. And they had three preview videos of the pilot episode of Glee available for a free download. I downloaded it. I like found the trailer. I think they performed Don't Stop Believing in one of the videos it was like the final performance of that first episode of don't stop believing and then a third video that i can't remember and i watched these three videos obsessively obsessively to the point that when it was ready for the um may uh pilot episode to air i sat down like a half hour early i think it was like the simpsons was on i want to say like before glee or something 
ridiculous. I don't actually recall, but there I was uh, down in Florida, just being my weird musical theater nerd self. And I was ready to go. I was ready to become obsessed with the show from the get, but it definitely had a, it progressed over time in different ways. I was kind of a, a quiet gleek, a secret gleek at the beginning of it because no one else really knew about this show. Even the kids that were in my uh, like musical theater class or whatever in high school didn't necessarily get into it as soon as I did. So I just didn't talk about it. I would just sit there and watch them <laughs> by my lonesome self and enjoy the episodes. Uh, freely without judgment. So that was actually how I got into it. I was an early, early addition into the Glee world of things. So I'm a little older than both of you. So I was home from college. Um, I was after junior year. I remember, I don't remember how I heard of it, but I just know I watched it in my bedroom by myself and I was freaking out because I was like, I wish I had... I was like this talented or like I was in my high school being like in my chorus or whatever um, with that pilot episode. I re- I do remember, oh, well, actually one of my friends reminded me that I forced my housemates then when the season happened to watch it with me because <laughs> I was oh, not missing an episode. <laughs> We have all hosted our own Glee viewing parties. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say at one point or another in our lives. Because I I don't remember if like Fox had that deal with Hulu where the next day it would go on because Hulu was around this time. So I don't remember if that happened or like if you had to wait a week or some bullshit like that. But I just, it, it was, it was a different time. If I remember correctly, I want to say it was you would have to wait a week for it to be on Hulu. But if you wanted to buy it on iTunes, you could buy it the next day type thing. Sure shit. I bought all of the music. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I definitely spent far too much money on the Glee music, including the CDs that lived in my car constantly. Oh, my. Throughout high school, I had all of the first CDs that they came out with. And then as later seasons came on, um, I may or may not have not necessarily paid for the music, but I still had all of it in all of its different iterations and forms and possibilities. Acapella versions where there were not acapella versions, mashups where there were were not actual mashups, somewhere deep in the recesses of a computer somewhere. There so, are there are files that I still have somewhere that are um, there. Maybe there is a file I have that's called the story of Finn and Rachel, and it's Finn and Rachel just vocal clips of them discussing their relationship set to other songs from Glee. I think in what was fourteen minutes, and is definitely still on my iTunes on my old computer. I didn't make it, but I did have it played often. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, can we cut that? Because that's embarrassing. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how sassy I am when I'm editing. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not off the record. It's what I have to live with forever. <laughs> yeah, I think I think saying yes to this in the first place, I'm I'm ready to divulge whatever information might still be in my brain. So it's, it's, it'll it's, be fine. It's free therapy. How's that? Exactly. Podca- Thank you. Podcasting is free therapy, as I found out. Uh, okay, so 
this season, um, you know, we see them build the Glee Club and everything, which is wild and crazy because it doesn't happen like that in real life. Surprise, everyone. Uh, okay, but what episode, like, sticks out as the worst in this season in your opinion okay carrie wants to go first she she raised her hand i raised my hand um so it is not only the worst episode in the season it's top maybe three worst episodes of the whole show up to when i watched it with season four and it's the worst penultimate episode because it's funk funk is a terrible episode it does not matter and why would you make that your penultimate episode I am actually so glad you said that because I was afraid you were going to say Acafellas, which is a terrible episode. Yeah, that's however, just... however, it, it fit that earlier arc. Like we were saying about the first few episodes, having that clear arc, like it's there. It's not my favorite to rewatch, but there is nothing in the episode of Funk that I will put back on. I skip it whenever I used to do my rewatches. Like it is, it fits in the episode, like the arc of a few other episodes of the show where it just does not matter and you can skip it and it I don't find it redeeming and it's a bad penultimate episode no one wanted to watch the finale I also remember the stirrings online back in the day because the episode before that is theatricality if I recall correctly yeah which is a fantastic episode and actually really felt like it was a progress for the show that there was like growth in the characters that there was this like camaraderie and coming together and it like got us all excited and it was like very camp and the costumes were insane and they did the kiss number and the lady gaga number and it was just really really cool and then to go from that to funk was such a weird slip down truly nothing lives rent free in my head more than diana agron's uh this is a man's world performance oh my god with all of the other pregnant women like b- b- <laughs> bouncing and bopping around i was that wi- that will haunt me forever <laughs> that did happen everyone <laughs> like we could say the most wild outlandish things and it, it probably it, it did happen like <laughs> well not not this season later seasons when they are more of a cartoon where it's like what's a when Diana Agron's character like gets hit in a car crash and then they sing I'm still standing. That I thought happened. you were gonna say when she gets I thought you were gonna say when she gets a Ryan Seacrest tattoo because she also <laughs> does that in the same season. Oh god. Yeah, all that happens. And you're just like, are you okay, everyone? <laughs> like I, I joke about this with Riverdale, because I, I have a love-hate with Riverdale. Mm-hmm. I I feel like these days the writers are just daring the actors to say nonsense. But like when you rewatch Glee, it's like that's this that's where they probably got it from because there's a lot of things that they say and do in this that you're like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to have a kid in a wheelchair who then has a dream sequence that he's dancing in a mall as a flashback? Okay. Okay, here's the thing. I still to this day I do love that number. I don't care. I know it's ridiculous. I I do love the safety dance flash mob section of of that episode. Pardon pardon me though, because like I know that they got um, there was some controversy over casting uh, somebody who can walk as a kid in a wheelchair. But part of me like wishes maybe that episode was a little sooner than it happened, just so then they can justify. But being like, no, we're gonna 
have a dream sequence or maybe show a flashback of like already because he was always born in a wheelchair i can't remember i don't remember i think so because they never went into like a A real backstory about like i had an accident or this Mm. came upon me I feel like if he were to mention that story to anyone, it would have been a conversation between he and Tina, but I can't entirely recall if we ever got a true backstory to Artie's character. So I ca- speaking of all of these characters, I kind of want to focus on them for a hot second because this season they are treated like background extras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, shout out, shout out to Matt Rutherford. I will never forget you, Matt Rutherford. Matt you Rutherford. are forever in my heart. Oh, uh, uh, one season and then an episode in season six. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that. What? He's in season six? What? The, the, the finale. Everyone comes back except for, uh, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Who played, um, uh marley the character marley rose uh fuck what's her name melissa benoist she didn't come so the last the in the all right i'll spoil it for everyone in the last episode they sing the final song is the song i lived yeah um where they have everyone and i mean everyone um well that played a big part i should say um come back to sing it on on the mckinley stage so like you have um you they go and they go through like the seasons too where it's like this is these are the new members from twos these are the new members from season three this is you know the new class or oh that's actually kind of cute actually it it was it was nice but like you know she was missing matt does come back for that (laughs) because But and like the way that they justified him leaving in season two, I was like, you guys are idiots. Fuck off. Wasn't it just that he transferred to a different school? I think so. But he was also out of an episode or two at one point. And wasn't he the one who had a spider in his ear? I yes. cannot remember a single thing that that really. I think that, I think that happened. Because, you know, uh, in later seasons when they would be like, all of a sudden just four people in the room and you're like where is the rest of the club (laughs) also glee club club classroom your opinions go as in is it a class or is it an after-school activity yes it says glee club so like you would assume it's an after-school activity because it says club in the title but every time we go in and out of a classroom, the the Glee classroom scene, you hear the bell ringing. There's always kids walking around, or there's sometimes people walking around outside. So it's like, is it a class? I want to say class because my brain is just going to the substitute. It's just going to when um, they would have substitute teachers and like just cancel the club for the week. Like just just take a right. break, give everyone their little assignments and go Gwyneth Paltrow does not need to be teaching this class so that's why I want to say class I think in my brain maybe it was a little bit of both in that 
similar to how it was for me, at least in high school, there was a musical theater class that you could take as an elective that was during a class period. And then if you wanted to participate in theater outside of class and be a part of the musical or the performance or whatever it was that we were prepping for, for months on end, only to have like two nights only type deal, that was a separate thing that you could be a part of. So I maybe just assumed that they were both taking the Glee class and were members of the Glee club. Well, I guess this is a good time as any. I know I I, I was planning on doing this later in the episode, but I actually interviewed one of my former high school music teachers to talk about Glee because, you know, sometimes are grounded in reality that I'm just like, is that I know like a, a, a theme a week not a real thing uh but i was just like i need to ask a music professional about you know what is going on and so i think it's time to have a listen to that so i'm joined today with one of my former music teachers from when i was in high school Mrs. Christy Adams, everyone. Woo! It's still Yay! weird calling you your first name. That's okay. I know. I get that all the time. Thank it's... you for having me, though. I'm so excited about this. Yes, and thank you so much. And while I was thinking about doing this, I know that, like, after I left, you did more, like, glee clubby or show choirness. So I, you were perfect for this to <laughs> figure out, like, the real worldness yeah. of glee. Because they try to, it seemed like they tried to like keep it grounded in reality in a way, but then also there's the fantasy of it. Yeah, it, it's a, a mix of what it is like, but a whole lot of what it's not like. So <laughs> it's in a little of each and kind of put it together, you know. So like one of the one of the questions that I'm going to be asking for every season is like, okay, so in season one, how was the choreography for the competitions portrayed? Okay. So I have to say, with the exception of vocal adrenaline, it's pretty on point because it's a lot of walking back and forth and little kicks and walking through and across. And that is very much what happens with show choir stuff. Um, Vocal adrenaline was like flipping girls in the air. And (laughs) I remember the first, first time I watched Glee, watching that thinking there would be no way anybody would be able to sing or you would hear them. Because how would you true you'd be out of breath <laughs> yeah I, I mean there are many times where I, when I was in show choir because I was in a show choir many years ago um, if you wanted to do that stuff you had 28 people in the show choir and you had 10 people in the back doing the crazy stuff or in the front and then everybody else was doing the easy stuff and singing so the, the little step touches and yeah running back and forth okay yeah so I think vocal adrenaline takes it to extreme but um as far as every other choreography thing that's happening within the show, it's pretty realistic. And so we're, I'm really here to talk about Mr. Schuster as a teacher sure. from, from a teacher's <laughs> perspective. Do you think this season he's a good teacher? Now, I, good is a subjective term here. Sure. So, yeah. I, I think he has very good intentions. I, I think what he, what he wants to do and what he wants to accomplish is very admirable because, you know, I, I relate to his 
well, this is something that touched me and affected my life. So I want to pay it forward. And I think that's a lot of what drives him season one is, you know, I just want them to have the same experience that I had to carry through the rest of their lives. You know, that's all any, any music teacher could ask for, you know? I I mean, and you, when we were, when I was in high school, I should say the music program was thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had to experience like what he went through with, uh, reintroducing a, or restarting a glee club in a school? Uh, essentially. Yes. Cause when I, uh, cause I started at Selden middle school and I got moved up to Newfield high school. And when I got moved to the high school, it was very much like we have the basis of a program and we need you to build something with this. Oh, and, um, oh right. Cause when people left. Yeah. So, you know, when when I stepped into that role, it was a lot of, okay, well, how are we going to revamp this? How are we going to make this something that'll really be what everybody can connect to, you know? And, and so the women's choir was born and the men's choir was born and, you know, taking the jazz choir to the next level was born. And so, you know, I, I get it because we kind of had to build a program from scratch in a sense, because we were mm-hmm. kind of handed a little bit of nothing you know we had to go somewhere with it so yeah I can relate to that aspect of it um do you feel like though that uh the student teacher relationships this season went a little too far or was it just like there might have been times where yes they went a little too far Mm -hmm. but in general I can again understand where he's trying to come for he he wants to connect with them he wants them to understand that he knows where they're coming from and the struggles that they face. And so those parts of it, I get when he does the whole, um, he makes like a men's acapella group with his friends. Oh my God. Which, which is fine. Like you can have your own endeavors outside of teaching, but you shouldn't involve your students in that. <laughs> a- acapellas. Yeah. You- <laughs> exactly he asks finn and puck to be in the acapellas and and they're like taking their shirts off and they're in a bar and i'm like this is just a whole new level of inappropriate <laughs> it's so wrong but then how do you feel he treated um when rachel had a crush on him see and that could have been avoided so oh, really that, i think he could have avoided that whole situation if there's an absent student then you just do this is going to be a trio and you guys got to find out some creative way to make it work between the three of you and then he would never have ended up in that situation that's true <laughs> but because he ended up in that situation um i think his whole handling it of it was terrible he could have brought in he could have brought in pillsbury which is fine and he could have brought in the principal which is fine but then it would have been a formal sit down with this is inappropriate behavior and the parents would have been there. We would have seen the two dads then. <laughs> it would have been brought in for a parent-teacher conference because there's something going on that's not good. And trying to sing your feelings to your students never works. So so is that when he should have been fired or should he have been fired right in the pilot when he planted drugs on on that? That, <laughs> that should have been when he was fired. He wasn't caught, so he wasn't fired. Then he should have been fired when he did the acapellas and he brought students in. <laughs> and then he should have been fired with the whole Rachel thing. So just you should have tagged him in there. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> uh, but like, I know this is a little bit fantastical where every week they do like a new theme or lesson. Is that like, I'm trying to remember like when I was in chorus, you know, we would focus on a piece because uh, unfortunately, unlikely, we can't just look at it and sing it perfectly. Yes. <laughs> but like when you did the Glee clubs, would you do similar things to that where it's like this is the song now we're gonna like learn the music and then the choreography or would you do like a lesson a week kind of a thing like that's in here a lesson a week is very unrealistic it's really just (laughs) not you would pick like you know you're if you're an ambitious choral teacher you're gonna say these seven songs are the ones I want to do for our upcoming performance and it's in three months so Given I have these three months, I'm going to perfect these three songs. And you, you know, that doesn't negate the whole, the backstories of the songs and, and putting their own interpretations on it. And I'm all about those parts of the lessons, but to do something different every week, is just not possible. No. <laughs> to do. It's just really not. But how did you feel about some of the lessons or themes of the episodes this season i thought that season one hits it out of the park with that it comes well, well hairography was a little much that one was probably <laughs> not one i would ever consider um, off, off the rails but i do love the um the mashup of hair and uh crazy and love yeah yeah I, it, I like as a song that's great but like the choreography I agree with you you're like that's a little well, like the much. wigs as soon as the wigs came out I was like what no oh <laughs> no that's just not <laughs> but I think season one was still trying to to lay the foundations for where the show was going to go so a lot of those lessons were how can we better ourselves as people and how can we be a team and how can we take the lessons of these other musicians who've done that and apply that to, you know, like the whole, he does the guys, girls competition. And I think mm-hmm. it's great because it, it creates a, okay, we got to one up each other to work harder. I mean, you know, granted that episode goes off the rails as well because they're all taking Hopped pills yes. and yeah, <laughs> you know, the wife is there and things get really weird. But I think the concept of the competition, that healthy competition between the groups was good and, those those kinds of ideas that he went with duets he did duets you know we just talked about that before mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know, i because I, it makes you have to work with somebody else it makes you have to think outside the box without help from the teacher you know but, how are you going to handle this situation okay well i'm going to give you time to think about that and also theatricality the episode with the guy with all gaga and everything yeah yeah um i like i appreciated more in that episode edina menzel <laughs> if you will, when she sings Funny Girl. Yes. Because, uh, you know, we they do all this crazy stuff and she's like, no, no, it, you have to start inward and then go outward. So, I mean, I think Dina Menzel may be a better teacher than, than Mr. Schuster in this which is, season. Which is why, you know, spoiler alert, she comes back as a teacher later on <gasps> at McKinley. How dare but, you spoil? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, but you're right. She does make a better point there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, I'm a little confused. Is Glee technically a class or is it a, sh- uh, is it a club? I have to say, this confuses me all the way till the end of the show. Because 
he keeps saying it's after school, but then the bell rings and kids are, the entire school is there. It seems like it's during the school day. They right. all have to go to the, a class, but where are they going if it's after school? I don't know. <laughs> I Okay. There's, but like, there's, it just doesn't make sense because there's dialogue that says it's a club, but then there's things that indicate that it's a class, but maybe it's a club that meets during the day, but I don't know. It so, doesn't make sense. In in the real world, if you call it a glee club, is that technically an after school thing or is that a class period? It would be an after school thing. You see, okay. as you put club on it, it's after school. Now, Connecticut High School, where I went to high school, has show choirs that meet during the school day. And that's why it's called a show, show choir. choir. Ah. Right. And there's multiple levels. Like I'm in the advanced show choir. So I register, I auditioned and my teacher helps me register for eighth period. Cause that's when that meets. Right. You know? and, it, and it was interesting to go to that because two days a week were vocal rehearsals, two days a week were dance rehearsals. And then Friday was put it together every week. Oh yeah. It was cool. Oh it was God. really cool. Yeah, so Monday, Wednesday was your vocal rehearsal. Tuesday, Thursday was your dance rehearsals. And we always had a student choreographer because I had a male choral teacher who was like, I can't do that stuff. <laughs> so he'd, okay. always, he'd always audition a dancer who would be registered for the class, not as a choir member, but as the choreographer. And on Monday, Wednesdays, when we were doing vocals, she'd be in the auditorium working on dance. And so when we would see her Tuesday, Thursdays, she'd be teaching us all the dance moves. And then Fridays would be the days we put it all together. So you basically lived the show because yes. Mr. Schuster, <laughs> I mean, the joke is Mr. Schuster is a terrible dancer, but like, <laughs> I guess uh, if we had to equate it via the show, Heather Morris, who plays Brittany S. Pierce, would be the choreog- your choreographer. Right. And she wouldn't the- have been in the group. She wouldn't she- have been singing, which... <laughs> I mean, the first season, they make her seem like she's terrible. So you're like, oh, she should just choreograph. That would be better for her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Christy, thank you so much for popping by season one. We'll see you for season two. How's that sound? Sounds fantastic. Can't wait. Woo! So what did we think? I think I'm convinced it's a it's a class I I think I've been convinced while re-listening to her I kind of have they do say show choir especially when they go to like the competitions and everything Mm -hmm. but they also call it a glee club so it's like I think we're confused because the show's confused (laughs) yeah but that that wouldn't be the first time true what if it was just I just said that wouldn't be the first time that we were confused about what the goings-on of the show are valid like if it was just a club based on their performances then they would just be practicing their performances and not each week be like we're gonna do duets today like that's that's nothing to do with them going to nationals true but then you know like uh christy mentioned they they did the um oh crap in the vitamin d episode where you know everyone's hooked on speed or speed light if you will um they they do with like a team building it feels like it's a team building exercise you know you gotta you're forced to work together find your sound together and then a competition happens which that is like the one consistent theme throughout the series for the most part totally yeah i mean i think what 
what part of why it was appealing I think was because there were these episodes or there was this focus on we have to try and figure out a way to get everyone to get along and like uh rehearse in these new ways or like try out this new routine or this new theme for the week and all of that was a lot always more interesting to me than whatever it was that they ended up singing in sectionals or nationals or whatever it was because I was more interested in getting to see these characters grow change and have moments to shine as in all of the background quote-unquote background characters who don't necessarily get solos in at the actual competitions so there's that right um I want let's let's talk about the other characters because we you know we we talked about uh Tina Artie uh, kind of Kurt. I mean, Kurt does get his own storyline because that's what uh, somewhere during this season is when they started listening to the actors to incorporate their uh, personal high school experiences into it. Well, can I do an interjection real quick? Because I'm uh, this it. is my platform. This is my one chance at my platform. So Kurt's character was invented because of Chris Colfer. His character did not exist prior to Chris Culver walking into the audition room. And he was actually auditioning for the Artie role originally. That's what he came in for. Oh, right, that's right. And when Chris came in and performed Mr. Cellophane for R.I.B., shout out, basically uh, Ryan Murphy realized that he could kind of use Chris Culver as a baseline character to also then kind of project his own experience and storyline of having grown up in the Midwest I believe he's from Indiana I want to say and the relationship that Bert and Kurt have with one another is very much based off of the relationship that Ryan Murphy had with his own father growing up so the speech that Bert gives when Kurt comes out to him in season one a lot of is pulled uh, lines from like the conversation that he had with his dad when he came out to him. Well, so, okay. Other characters that we haven't really talked about, Santana Lopez. Naya! Naya! The best part of this goddamn series. I'm not gonna lie. I fucking loved Santana Lopez. She was, she becomes, because this season she's not really in the forefront as she is later on but she's there and since the first episode i'll give her that well we have to give her that my god she's no bullshit no nonsense but unfortunately this season she's just treated as a dancer who gets lines here and there yeah her and heather really were just the you know guardian angels or whatever over Quinn's shoulder the whole time and then obviously as the seasons go on they really get to develop the unholy trinity that they kind of form and uh I actually found that in season one Naya any uh highlighting of Santana's character specifically that we get is more so in relation to her and Quinn but also her and uh Mercedes her and Mercedes have a couple of duets and battles and what I think they fight over puck at one point if I recall yeah, correctly I'm just scrolling so I sent you in my little outline sometimes I, I usually write the songs up but because there's like 7,000 songs in this one season it was too much so I just sent you the wikipedia link and I just scrolled down I thought the boy is mine was season two 
I didn't realize it was this season. Mm-hmm. Oh my fucking god. Well, that's the thing. She's used as the two times that she's really used is the is the puck romance and taking Finn's virginity. Those are the yeah. two highlights that she has. I completely forgot about that. You're right. And there was also the part a little bit ahead of the Madonna episode where her and Brittany try and have a threesome with Finn and they go to breadsticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where mm-hmm. Brittany says, um, did you know that dolphins are just gay sharks? Which yeah. still is a line that will forever be incredible. I'm so incredible. happy. Because I, I love... Now let's go on to Heather Morris's as Brittany because I fucking love her. Like, um, unfortunately, this, well, no, this season she gets those zinger one-liners when available uh, where you're just like, what the fuck are you saying? Well, talk about someone who managed to make something out of seemingly nothing. You know, this is a person who gets hired to literally just teach the single ladies dance dance, and then somehow manages to not only get herself as a recurring character but also then becomes such an iconic part of the show itself and I think because of her incredible comedy and timing that was why they kept utilizing her without even necessarily uh having any sort of plan for her to be a part of the show in its full form but she was just so fantastic that pretty much anything she says in the few things that she does say in season one anything she says is just so funny and it's just so well timed and she has this like absolute deadpan to it that is just really like makes it even funnier then yeah and like she gets to showcase her her great dancing talent this season i think it's next season is when she starts singing Yep, Brittany. Brittany is the second Brittany, Brittany. The second season. So that's all, that's the beginning of season two. Right. I I wish she had more. Like you see her, especially in like uh, the Madonna episode. You see her lip sync in "Express Yourself," and I'm pretty sure they may have recorded her singing in that. But like, it's not a solo song. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's a little. Yeah, bit and of- the only other. The only other thing that they use Heather for in season one is that she's Kurt's girlfriend for an episode. Uh, one mm-hmm. episode. Oh God, that that's a hard episode. Um, because, you know, it's... And I, I kind of hate this because usually the gay character has to have a coming out episode. But like, this was great because... It was a because little... Because he sings Rose's turn. Yes, because yes. he sings Rose's turn. Yes. That's why it's great. Yes, 100% that's... I agree. That's where you were going with that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> Rose's turn. Well, I was also going to say because, you know, Bert, his, uh, ooh, Michael Connell, is that his name? The actor's name? Michael O'Malley. Michael O'Malley, damn it. Michael O'Malley, fucking amazing actor. I've I've loved him. He was great before the show and what and the oh I forgot the sitcom that he was in before the show. Uh still standing. Yes. I think. Yep. Something like that. But then he would then he comes on here and then, you know, this season they utilize him more than they do later seasons, because in later seasons he's usually the one where it's like uh a disympathetic character, you know, or they needed like a good cry in the storyline. So it's like bring in Bert. Uh, <laughs> or they need him to be randomly sick so that Kurt gets 
punished and is in more pain because that happens a few times throughout the show where Bert just continually gets sick randomly and then Kurt has to sing a sad song so um I feel like though Kurt's coming out though was like a good representation for at the time those who were going to come out as something be it gay lesbian part of the alphabet mafia basically you know uh they had a positive reaction because Bert though was just was still like in this season he's still a little like figuring it out but he was willing to figure it out and work on it and instead of imagining his son with a woman now he's like okay you're going to marry a man or you will maybe marry a man at some point and it was it was very welcomed, I want to say. Yeah, I think for me, I remember having watched it at the time. And I mean, granted, having a having a coming out story in the first place on a TV show was not really a thing. And I feel like we forget how much the world and society and media have progressed since season one of Glee. But especially since this was on, you know, a network television show that was a a weekly release type show as opposed to what we have now, which is like you get to binge all 12 episodes at once in a in one fell swoop. But I remember the coming out story and having it not be, you know, him getting kicked out of his house was was exciting enough. And then to have the storyline actually dig a little bit deeper into seeing, you know, the plight that goes through a parent's mind and a child's mind in trying to navigate the space of coming to terms with having a queer kid, especially in, you know, a more conservative area and what that might mean and how, even though you come out, you then might do things to try and like continue to hide yourself in certain ways to try and make things easier for them. Like, I felt like it was a very true, honest representation. And that was something that we hadn't yet seen before. I'm not saying it was a perfect representation or that they went about it the always the right way. But I remember that was one of the things that really stuck out to me in watching the show was that it felt honest, at least. It felt true. Wait, was this the first time that that happened? No, this couldn't have been the first time a character came out to their parents on a TV show. If I recall correctly, it had only happened once or twice before. And then very soon thereafter, I believe those shows got canceled or, you know, it was never mentioned again type thing, or they were never actually allowed to develop a relationship. I, at one point had, I, at one point knew this information that of course now as the years have gone by, I've forgotten, but this really was the first concrete example that at least I had personally of seeing a gay character be out to his family on tv and be accepted yeah and be accepted but even still i mean but also just coming out in general was such a like novelty in the first place let alone to then be accepted well that was when he got nominated he got nominated for the first season for the end that was when it was him and jane lynch got nominated for this first season i think so let me look because i'm curious because um, pure imagination this season. I can't remember. Ra- Rachel got Rachel. 
Lee Michelle got nominated for sectionals. Matthew Morrison got nominated for mashup. Jane Lynch won for Power of Madonna, and Chris Colfer got nominated for Laryngitis. Yeah, yeah, Power of Madonna. That was a good episode. Power of Madonna. Power of Madonna. Uh, okay, I'm think I'm gonna put a pause on here. Don't worry, we'll be back to continue talking about Glee season one in the next episode. But if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttasongpod. Tell me your thoughts on Glee Season 1 or Glee in general. And if you want to contact Alana or Carrie, you can find Alana on Instagram and Twitter at Alana Bettini. And Carrie is also on Instagram and Twitter at Carrie Ann. The spelling of it will be in the show notes. And thank you all, and have a great day. Goodbye! Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork, and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.